Welcome to Let's Talk About Brands. I, of course, am your host, Christine Gritman. And I'm really excited about today's episode. I'm excited about every episode. I love geeking out and talking about brands. But today's episode is one where I really needed to learn this stuff. We're talking about branding and AI, artificial intelligence. I avoided it as long as I could. It's definitely at the point, if you're like me, it is definitely at the point where you really can't afford to ignore it anymore. It is at the point where you do, if you haven't been paying attention before, now's really the time to start. So I am here today with Chris Carr. Chris Carr is the co-founder and head of Farotech, and that is a digital mar marketing agency that really has specifically leveraged AI and AI's impact on SEO and all of that. They have, a, they have all sorts of proprietary technologies, but they're really leveraging technology to build those brands and do that marketing. Also, Chris himself is a rising thought leader specifically in AI. It's a very good time to have gotten in on that if you're early, as he has been. So we are talking today about AI and branding. I'm big on the personal side of personal branding. But as we discussed today, when it comes to AI, you get out what you put in. So there are absolutely ways of making your AI, your AI output on brand, human feeling, warm and fuzzy. And also, especially we talk about how you can use AI as a partner and as a tool does not replace the human side. We're also going to get into some big issues right now with the fast growth of AI regarding what content can go in, regarding proprietary ideas, regarding how kind of thought leaderships can approach it in a good way, and also how it kind of changes the rules of the game when it comes to SEO. So today's really exciting deep dive into all things AI and branding. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Without any further ado, let's bring him on. Chris Carr, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Let's Talk About Brand. Yeah, this is great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, of course, you know, brand is something that has existed long before and will continue to exist long after all the new tools, platforms, bells, whistles, all of that. But I am, it is really important to understand how we can leverage these new tools, technologies, all of that to support our branding efforts. So today we're going to be talking about AI. One thing that a lot of AI haters and skeptics don't love is that they feel like it makes things kind of more bland and generic and, you know, less human, less color to it, less of a brand feel. But as with most things, you get out what you put in. And there are certainly ways to counter that by really making sure that what you're feeding your AI is very on brand and giving that AI an understanding of the brand. So I think let's start things out by taking a step back 
Chris, what are we talking about when we say AI, artificial intelligence? Yes. But what is AI? What does that mean from a marketing perspective? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of technical terms for that are sort of in the relationship with AI. You can talk about large language models. You can talk about, you know, natural word processing, all of these things that are very highfalutin ways of talking about AI. But the simplest way of putting it, at least in my opinion, is, is that it's a computer that learns. It learns upon itself. And so therefore it compounds its learning. And so one of the reasons why AI is so powerful is, is that imagine having a piece of software that gets smarter and smarter with age, not like every update and every release. I mean, literally it, it, it learns from itself and it learns from itself at an amazing rate and an amazing speed. And so that is how I like to describe it. So the more you use it, the better it gets. But the thing is that involves a little bit of front-end work there, making sure that you have an AI that is educated in the ways that you wish for it to be and that you need for it to be. So for people sure. who are just getting started with using AI tools, how do you start that process? How do you get it to a point where it's going to be useful? Because I know that in my brief experiences with AI, I have had that kind of it's not quite getting it situation because I haven't put in the work to educate it. So what are some things that people should be prepared to educate their AI tool of choice on and with? Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind, this is July of 2023. I think that this is going to be released in the fall. The things I'm talking about that are revolutionary now might be commonplace in the future. And so a couple of things that you should know about AI is that there's two main facets, the three main facets. The first one is, can I get the AI to sound like me and my brand? Can I get the AI to educate me on my audience better than I can? And then can my AI be a utility? All right. So those are the big three. The hardest one that you have right now is, can it sound like me and my brand? And the answer is you can, but you have to do something what's called chat priming. And what chat priming is, is that I'm going to tell you the wrong way and then I'll tell you the right way. The wrong way is that someone will go onto something like ChatGPT or they'll go onto a program like that and they'll immediately start typing. And let's say hypothetically, they're going to say, write me a blog that's 1500 words. What you haven't done is given it any context whatsoever. And so it literally has to guess who your audience is, the value that you bring and so on and so forth. And therefore, the content that comes out is just meh. I mean, it's like drinking water. Like it's just nothing. All right. But if you are able to prime the chat and give it all of this information possible before it ever starts, the chances of it sounding like you and your brand are significantly better. And so let me kind of give you an example of this, this kind of real world story. I work a lot of hours and because I work a lot of hours, the other part is that I, I live an hour from my office. So on my calendar, literally my calendar, I have my drive time when I'm supposed to drive and I have a virtual assistant in the Philippines. And when I get in my car, it's on her calendar as well. And I'll get a text that says, hey, do you want to work while you're driving? So she does work for me and we talk on the phone as I'm driving. Now, as great as that is, there's nothing that I can do. I can't give her a memory chip that would go into her head that says, this is every blog I ever wrote. This is how I feel about my brand. This is how I communicate about my brand. This is my audience. I can't do all of that. Literally, she starts with little context and she just does what I tell it to do. Now with AI, what you're able to do is before you ever start writing, you can prime it. And so 
One of the best ways to do that is to develop a document that is all the essential things about you and your brand and your audience and things like that. And before you ever write, you dump that content in. Now, here's the challenge is that currently on ChatGPT4, you could only insert 500 words at a time. So it would take you a significant amount of time to dump all that in. But some of the newer technologies, one is called Claude AI. It's by Anthropic. Even Bard has these large contact windows. So I can literally put in 75,000 words about my company so that when I start typing to it and talking to it, it knows exactly how I communicate. It knows my brand. It knows my audience. It knows my analytics. And therefore, the AI sounds like me and my brand. Now, so that's part number one. Yep. Are there particular content types that you can and can't feed in that it can and can't parse? What sort of things mm -hmm. should you put in telling them about you and your brand? And yep. I imagine that is going to be in a slightly different voice than the stuff you're feeding in that really does give them a sense of your brand voice. So how do you work on that? Well, the first thing I do is I give them my buyer personas, my target audience. I We have written all of our target audience out in long format stories. And so I... I have them to reference that. I take actual client testimonials and case studies. I take case notes essentially when we have clients, we have specific notes about the clients, what we can and what we can't say. I insert my top performing blogs. I take the transcript of all my videos and I put all of that into one super document. And then with Claude AI, I literally press one button, I import that. And the first thing I prompt is everything we're about to write, write in the context of what you just learned. All right. That makes sense. So how do you go about choosing what type of content to put in to give them a representation? What sort of screen should you have when you're figuring out? I mean, it shouldn't probably shouldn't just be your most popular content, right? Because that might not be as representative of your voice. So what sort mm -hmm. of things should you plug in there? Well, I mean, one of the arguments that I have is that marketing has always come down to thought leadership. And the problem with thought leaders is, is that they always believe that they have to have a new idea every single day. And here's the problem with that. While I think it is great as a thought leader to always be evolving and things like that, if you constantly change the song, if you constantly change the message, if you constantly give a new story and a new story and a new story, repetition is the mother of skill. And so the challenge that you have as a marketing, and this is the gripe I've had with all this marketing, is, is that if you have so much content and you have no repetition of your content, the chances of them remembering you for something is significantly harder. That's why I sort of believe in develop less content and more promotion. So the things that I want to do are what are the, what are the definitely the things that I know that just from an iron, that really represent like an ironclad form of my messaging of what I want to be known for, my famous quotes, the, the rules I live by, things like that. That's some of the big, that's some of the big rocks. If it's imagine a cylinder, I put the big rocks in. The smaller rocks are the things I just mentioned to you about my audience and about my testimonials and things like that. And then the, like the more fine tuning stuff might be a, put this in reference to this new news story that came out or something like that. So it sounds like the big rocks are more connected to the fundamental brand values, your key, you know, content pillars, as mm -hmm. it were. This is the stuff we really care about. And then it sounds yep. like repurposed 
content is a huge part of it because I mean, there's your piece of rich content. Rich content is very important, but the repurposing, that's a good point there. I wouldn't have thought of that. I think a lot of people out there think that your rich content is what you really got to feed it with, but you also need to make sure it gets that repetition from repurposing. I love it. Earlier, you said something and you were like, okay, so that's part one. And there was a second thing that you were getting to. Yeah. So, so tell me what, so let's move on to that second thing that you were about to talk about. Okay. Part two was how do you use the AI to know more about your audience? All right. So there's technology out there. One of them is called Spark Toro. Another one is called BuzzSumo. And what you can do, they are using artificial intelligence. And what you can do is you can log in and you can put in your keywords, you can put in your audience and things like that. And it'll give you information that'll say, these are the YouTube channels that, that your potential audience listens to. This is the publications that they listen to. These are the sub stacks that they listen to, you know, that they read, you know, you can develop all of this critical information about your clients. You can measure that with your own buyer personas. And what happens here is that you can start to, once you have all that data collected, you can start to ask the AI questions about your clientele. They'll measure that with what they know on the internet. And usually you get a pretty good answer. I would say pretty good, not perfect. Always verify, always test because it, it is known for hallucinating. <laughs> now, what can and can't you feed it from the internet? Because I know some people have tried to say, okay, you know, Chat GPT usually is what they're using. I know there's more advanced tools that can do more of this, but you know, can you just send it and be like, here's a website that they love, synthesize mm -hmm. commonalities of that and tell me what I should be doing in alignment with this? Can it do that? And if so, what are the current, again, as you said, this is airing in fall 2023, but we're recording it summer 2023. There's probably going to be a leap there in between. But what are kind of the limitations of what it can and can't gather from doing its own internet research? Well, BARD, which is by Google, is already there. In other words, you can ask it. It's already connected to the internet, which is a very funny thing because all of the AI cautionary people that put up guardrails said the last thing you ever want to do is connect it to the internet. But AI is an arms race. It's a trillion dollar valuation. It's a chase of a trillion dollar valuation. And so they are literally dropping all the rules, all their ethics. But the number one ethic thing that they dropped was never connected to the internet. Now they're all connected to the internet. BARD is seamlessly connected to the internet. ChatGPT, they're having a little bit of a glitch now, but they were connected to it through Bing. Claude is, I doesn't believe it's ever going to be connected to the internet. Basically, that's one of its selling points is that it won't be connected to the internet. But by the fall, when people are watching this, almost every one of these platforms will be connected to the internet. So that's not the problem. The question is, what sources do you trust that is going to say certain things that are in alignment with you or things that are strategically friction so that you can literally disagree with them for the purpose of creating intriguing content? I find that disagreeing with a thought leader is actually more valuable than just regurgitating what a thought leader has said. So this kind of feels 20 years ago or so when people mm -hmm. had to learn, and some people still haven't learned this many years on, that just because it's on the internet, not only doesn't mean that it's true, but it also doesn't mean you can use it. And I imagine that's going to be the thing that these companies need to figure out where those barriers are, because there, there's the... 
because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true thing. Again, you get out what you feed in. And if what you feed in, unfortunately, in involves the AI encountering junk, <laughs> you know, you have to figure out what you can do about that. But I'm really curious about that second part, about the what can you use? What can these AIs troll for information? And it's interesting that you said that one of them, the key thing was, you know, not connecting to the Internet. So I'd love to delve into that a little bit. There's a misinformation concern, but then there's the also who owns the information that is then feeding your AI concern. Yep. So what does that scene look like at the present moment? The reason why uh, Claude doesn't want to do that is because of its, its emphasis on security. Claude is going to be um, SOC 2 and HIPAA compliant. And so what happens here is that when you go and you plug your information into an AI, in the terms of service that you and I just pressed the OK button on, everything we put in trains the model. So you know how I said it keeps getting smarter and smarter? Well, it is getting smarter and smarter because we keep feeding it. But the problem is, is that sometimes we're feeding it proprietary information, like you just said, content that it shouldn't know or shouldn't have. Claude specifically doesn't get connected to the internet. And it's terms of service are we train the model in a different way, but you know that whatever you put in, you know, it's not training the model and you can trust us from a security standpoint, not to reveal trade secrets. And so the reason why Claude has value is because it's self-contained. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So can companies who are putting up content, let's say I work for a company, I put up a great thought leadership article, and that's that's mine that I put up there. But mm -hmm. it's out in the internet, yeah. which makes it, you know, which gives the impression that it's now public. But mm -hmm. at the same time, there are things you can make it so that Google does. I mean, I don't know why you would want to if you're putting content out there, but you can make it so that Google cannot include it in search terms. I know there's some code you can put in, things like that. Yeah. Is there something yep. like that to prevent AI from using your content to inform its learning? And why, I understand why someone would want to do that because they want to, you know, make sure that their stuff is not informing someone else's stuff. But, you know, is there a way to do that? And why would someone maybe not want to do that? Well, well first off, the AI companies are in a lot of trouble because you can tell that they literally train the models. So as of July, Sarah Silverman is literally suing OpenAI because it literally just drank every word of her book. And now it quotes things from her book that Sarah was like, hey, I didn't give you permission to do that. 
basically ChatGPT went and just grabbed everything that they could and they'll apologize later. So one of the things that you should know, and that please don't hear this as it's very possible that people understand this. I don't understand this, but you know, I think that a million, if you take a million and you multiply it by a million seconds, I think it's something like 13 years and a, a billion is like, I'm sorry, a billion is, I forget what a billion is, but it's a lot, but a trillion is 37,000 years. Okay. And so the reason why I'm telling you this analogy, right, is because these companies have a trillion dollar valuation, which basically means that no matter what lawsuits, no matter what they've done, th there's no stopping this train because the money train is so fast and it's so big that nothing will get in the way of this. Like all of this stuff in front of Congress about alignment and stuff like that, I believe 80% of that is just show. This is the biggest money grab in human history. And so it's going to do whatever it wants to do. So you can try to protect yourself. You can try to do these things, but I don't believe in it's going to work. It's kind of like the way privacy is like dead. You know what I mean? So that's a problem. But let me ask you, answer your second question. Why would anybody not want to protect their own stuff? Well, if you protect your own stuff, right, then what happens here is that you want your content to be out there. And the reason why you want your content to be out there is because you want other sources to find your content and give you backlinks. And the reward of backlinks is an SEO gain. And so if you block it from the AI and everyone's using AI to write, the chances of you getting significant backlinks is slim to none. So therefore, your content becomes less and less visible. And so unfortunately, you have to sort of play their game or your content is going to be invisible. And just also know in the back of your head, that people are creating content at speeds that are 10 times greater than they were in September of last year. So your content is like a needle in a stack of needles. And the only thing that could have saved you is backlinks, but you turned off the backlinks too. So unfortunately, you sort of have to play their game. So this is all getting into another element of this that I know that you are also, you know, pretty on top of, which is how AI is impacting SEO, search engine optimization, findability. Mm -hmm. As you said, since content is coming out so much faster and in such great volume, it's a needle in a stack of needles. I like the way you phrased that. So mm -hmm. can we talk about the impact that AI is having already and will continue to have on SEO, on searchability? How do you get found? Are the rules of SEO changing now or are they just, you know, more important than they were, but ultimately the same? Well, it's going to make it so that the difference between a good SEO and a bad SEO is, is going to become very relevant. And what I mean by that is, is that you could be a bad SEO and just look for long tail keywords or keywords that have high volume, but less competition simply because people didn't write the content, enough content for, to get all those other low, you know, those low hanging fruit keywords. But now that you can write so much content, at so much volume, that least that low competition you know, that pool of low competition keywords. Now you have competition where you wouldn't have ever dreamed to have competition because people can just write at volume, right? So you have the internet is flooding the internet and where companies that didn't know SEO were winning were these low competition keywords. Now they actually do have competition. That's a big problem. The second thing and the big one is, is that the first page of Google, the search engine, the SERP, which is called the search engine, geez, oh man, can't even think what it was. Search Basically, your search engine results. There you go. Sorry, <laughs> I'm losing. 
Anyhow, your search engine result page is what's going to be called SGI, which basically means the top half of the page is going to be a chat where you can talk into it like the way you can with Bing AI or basically chat GPT. So I will search for something and the top half of the page will be three answers over to the right, but then you can just keep qualifying. So in theory, you can live in the top of the search engine result page and never have to go to the blue links below. And, you know, there was someone, I can't think of his name, but he was on the All In podcast and he was out to lunch with the, the CEO of Google and the, the executives at Google. And they all believed that the world of 10, 10 blue links on the first page of Google, that's not the future. That's not how people will search in the so future. So Google's essentially, it, it almost feels like a chat bot that's kind of in the corner of a customer service page where it says, you know, what's your question? And you say your question and it, and it asks further questions. That's going to be really interesting. And that kind of ties the chatbot mm -hmm. revolution of a couple of years ago and this AI. I mean, chatbots always were AI, but this sounds like it's a whole other level. Yeah, they were rudimentary at uh, AI. Like I am um, the, the level of things that I've seen from AI would absolutely blow your mind. I mean, again, this will be commonplace by the fall. There's literally an app called Pi. It's called your personal AI. And I highly recommend that you just grab this just to play around with it, right? It doesn't have a business sense, but you will talk to it. And I promise you, it sounds like there's a person on the other end talking to you in the most natural language you could ever imagine. And you have a conversation with it and it's the most natural way you're talking to a robot I've ever seen in my life. It's scary. I gave it to my seven-year-old daughter. My seven-year-old daughter grabbed it and walked into the other room so I wouldn't take the phone back because literally she was just having a conversation the way she was having a conversation with her best friend. It was so weird and so creepy. And these are the early days of AI. And this is going to be built into Siri. This is going to be built into Alexa. This is going to be built into when you go onto a website, a right sidebar will come up and you will talk to an AI about what you're seeing on a website. This will happen. Oh. Not like the distant future. We're talking about probably by the time that this podcast comes out. This is getting into kind of dystopia movie <laughs> territory. I got dystopia. You should see this other stuff. That This is just getting into, it's going really fast. Yeah. The dystopia stuff is like stuff like, did we lose control of the beast? Did the AI have a mind of its own? Did it not have alignment with our goals? Yeah. That's when it gets really crazy, really scary. Skynet. No, I think we should do this. <laughs> yeah. So, so what we come down to, and I say this as a writer, a content mm -hmm. creator, a yep. semi-thought expert, thought yep. leader, whatever. And at the time of recording, someone who's unemployed, which had nothing to do with AI, mm -hmm. but hopefully will not be the case by the time this airs. There's, of course, a lot of worry that it sounds like this is replacing people. And I know a lot of people at the forefront of this are saying, it really shouldn't, we can't trust it yet. What? So what, what are the best ways in your estimation at the moment for people and AI to work together to strengthen brands? Well, two things. One is just that I think I'm watching a lot of companies jump the gun. We have been using it before it was cool literally since maybe 2019, 2018. So we've seen it evolve quite a bit. However, it's probably only helps efficiency by about 30%. It is definitely not a human replacement. It's a tool that will help you get more done, 
But my fear is that companies will overreact and people will underreact. And what I mean by that is, is that, that they won't, that they'll get intimidated by the AI, dig, put their head in the sand and not learn it. And so there's a guy named Paul Rotzer. He's, he runs the Marketing AI Institute. He's the one who got me involved in all this stuff. He has a very famous quote that says, I'll, I'll use writers. Writers will not be play, replaced by AI. Writers will be replaced by writers who use AI. And there's a big distinction there. There is. Oh, my goodness. So in, in summary, don't hand over the keys to your entire brand to AI, no matter how well you educate it. There should be humans there who understand how to work with it as a tool not as mm -hmm. a replacement. All right. Yep. Before before we wrap things up, I just want to ask you, Chris, as someone who's on the forefront of this, three things in particular regarding using AI to support your brand that people can, you know, three tips that people can use right now as a beginner. So if someone who has yep. not been using AI, what are three ways to get started using it to help them with their branding efforts? Step one is download a free app called Claude.ai and then write a document of everything that you feel like is valuable about how you would communicate and everything you would know about your target audience and then import that into Claude and start talking with your content and then get an understanding of the limitations of Claude and then start to write your content from Claude. That's the biggest, that's the biggest step one. Step two is don't overtrust the AI which basically means if you prompt and pray, prompt basically means use AI. If you prompt and publish, prompt, publish, pray, you're going to fail. The human element to this could not be more important. And what I'm finding is that we used to have these banner blockers. We would look at a web page and we could block out banner ads. I think that we as a society are going to be able to read content that's poorly written by AI and know that was AI content and we're going to block it out mentally. So the companies are the individuals who are not humanizing that AI content, that content is not going to be read in any meaningful way. It's just going to look like, I don't know, like robot gobbledygook. All right. And then the third one, and this goes a little bit into brand, is start to know some of the tools outside of just the written word, specifically in video. Adobe Firefly, which we didn't get to talk about today, is going to streamline how you can edit and develop video in ways that I don't know how to describe it, but I would say that the way kids are developing really innovative TikTok videos in just a couple clicks, Adobe's doing that at the professional grade so that someone that does not have a professional editing background can put out some really compelling video content in just a few clicks of a button due to AI. So know your content in words, know to how to not over rely on it, and then also know that you can put it in formats that you were probably intimidated by in the past. So this happens to me frequently on this show, which I love, which is that this essentially just could have been a consulting session for me as someone who is not up on AI yet. So thank you so much for that, Chris. I'm really eager to finally, you know, be dragged into 2023 kicking and screaming and learn how wow. I can use AI to help the human side do more as opposed mm -hmm. to, to canceling out the human side. So thank you for that.
All right, Chris, tell the good folks at home where they can find you, why they should find you, and what they will find there. Okay, great. If you go to www.fairtech.com, or you can email me at info at fairtech.com. One, we talk about a comprehensive marketing plan, which we believe is very unique. It's very AI-driven. Other ways you can find me is on the Digital Marketing Masterclass podcast. Our YouTube channel has probably been bigger than our podcast, but I lead that with a gentleman named Andy Crestadina from Orbit Media. I think he's, I think he's the smartest marketer on the planet right now. And so we put out a really fun show and I think you can learn a lot. So. Love those shout outs. I have been on that show and Andy Crestadina has also been on this show. So good co-linking all around. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Chris. You got it. Thank you. It was an honor. And thank you for being here as well. Whether you are listening to the Let's Talk About Brand podcast on the Adweek Podcast Network, or if you're watching the video podcast on YouTube, we are here every week talking about different elements of branding. I hope you'll join us next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk About Brand, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Christine Gritman, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Christine Gritman. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.